Hey friends and family, this is Rowan here at Preggers Can Be Choosers, and today I'm facilitating a conversation between Katie Stanley and Sean Desrossier. Am I saying that right? Yeah, same thing. Tell me again. That's, Tell actually, me again. How you act, that's actually how you say it, but in English, like in English, it's Desrosiers. Oh, and so I'm like saying it in Spanish? Is that what's happening? No, you're saying in like French. That's right. <laughs> One of my secret attributes, really, no. I have two, I have the command of the English language and uh, Spanish half-assly, I call that Spanglish, and I can sign pretty subpar also, because one of my children is deaf, and that is it with my language capability. Okay, so Rowan Two Sisters, I'm a CPM here at Houston, Texas at Preggers Can Be Choosers, and today I'm facilitating a conversation um, motivated by Black Lives Matters and Black Midwifery Matters between Katie and Deshaun. One thing that I've learned in the last week or two is that I don't have to have the answers for everything. What I can do as a white person, but what I can do is connect people of color with people of color and use platforms and uh, amplify with my platform, you know, um, raise a voice. So that's what I'm doing. And Katie and I had talked, see a previous video about um, mixed heritage and midwifery and getting facial tattoos. And she had some follow-up questions, and I realized that I was not the best person to answer these, but that maybe Deshaun might be, and then with a little input from myself. So that's how we got here today. Um, just recently moved to Tulsa, which is noticeably different um, than Houston as far as uh, its demographics. And um, I guess frustrated would be the, like, there's kind of a, quieting down that's happening right now um and you know my punk at heart is like no <laughs> you gotta you know stay loud um yeah I guess just frustration and like a lack of hope that's there I'm um, a doula here in Houston. I'm also a student midwife. Um, I do placenta encapsulation as recently as Saltimas. I'm a vaginal steaming practitioner. Um, and I also recently wrote a book published in January about a black family having home birth. And that's actually the first book to be published here in America um, that features a black family having home birth. But um, I try and um, just give that book as much as possible. So. I think that's a great thing to do. If anybody knows a midwife or as a thank you present, that's a great way to give back or a doula or even somebody who just had a baby so or is pregnant. Okay. So Katie, what questions did you come up with more? Because this is a follow-up from a video we did a week ago. So right. So um looking at midwifery school options, uh application requirements, um, I'm already running into quite a few things that need a little more explanation or that seem super subjective. Um, and then I don't know if it's just COVID related or if this is how it always is, but um, getting any kind of follow-up like via email, phone call just isn't happening. Um, so I'm feeling just <laughs> um, like I'm hitting a roadblock essentially. Um, so question one, um, a lot require a written letter from a preceptor. Um, and I guess, what would you encourage a midwifery student to look into um, for a preceptor? Um, as well as, what would you suggest be covered in the written agreement between student and preceptor? 
Um, okay. So yeah, I, I understand what you mean about people not getting back to you. I think it probably has something to do with COVID because I had that issue too. Um, but what I had to do is basically like a lot of them are working from home. So they're able to get their email or if you like leave a voice message, they're able to get back to you. Um, so I'm not sure if you tried that, if you emailed and then they're just not email, emailing back. They could be just completely off. But I know Southwest Tech, the school that I applied for, um, if I call, they're not going to answer. But if I email, they get their emails at home. And I actually ended up doing a video conference with a person at home um, twice. So you could try to look into that. Um, now, as far as the first question about the preceptor, you said, what do you, what do you look for in a preceptor? Right, like whenever you're, because, I mean, we're kind of limited in this Tulsa, Oklahoma City mm -hmm. area anyways. Um, I've only found one midwife um, that seems to have the same, like, inclusiveness, same idea. Vibe, the vibe. Yeah, thank you, yes. <laughs> um, but I'm sure there's, you know, additional, like, as far as their education, um, their experience, and so on. Right. Well, I would one. I would look at their clientele because, well, if you said that sh um, that person is inclusive, um, I would look at their clientele, look and see what they post. I would look at their social media, look at their website, and see what kind of people they serve and what kind of things they do. Like sometimes when I scroll through people's social media, like I'll literally go to to their personal Facebook page and I click the search button. This is me being a little investigator. I'll click the the search button on their profile and I'll type in something like black or like. Trump or like any kind of keywords so I can see what kind of post they posted in regards to that. So if they posted something about all lives matter, like, dude, I don't want to work with you. So I would honestly look into that person and then, yeah, just see what kind of vibes they give you. You don't want to work with someone who's racist or is like super anti-gay or homophobic or anything like that. Um, and I kind of had to Sheesh, I don't know if I want to say I had to learn that the hard way, but sometimes you think that you can do things. Sometimes you think that you can put up with certain things and you can't. It, 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 wears, it wears you down too much. So, I mean, you live in freaking Tulsa, Oklahoma, dude. <laughs> yeah. That's where the first major bombing was. And that right. was an attack on Black people specifically. You know what I mean? So, sometimes we do have to be Sometimes we do have to be the person that has our back against the wall and gets, gets worn down on. If that means saving other people's lives, you know, so be it. But, um, and then as far as a written contract, I would just ask them, like, what do you expect of me out of a student? What can I expect out of you as a preceptor? How often do you plan on me being here? What does my work days look like? Am I able to ask you questions? Um, do we have teaching days? How can I contact you? Like, you know, what is our, what are the parameters of our relationship and things like that? Is there like a um, probationary period, like 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? Um, I don't want to say like, hey, do you plan on helping me financially? But it's like, I don't want to outright say that because um, I don't want you to go in expecting any kind of financial help but at the same time I feel like dang as black people I feel like we kind of should start um 
I don't want to say requiring that, but asking for that. Even if it's in small ways, like, hey, do you do placenta encapsulation? Maybe I can do that and earn the, you know, take the money from that. Or, you know, you people pay their their um their assistance, you know, two fifty or three hundred, whatever, you know, but you're going to the breast for free, essentially. You know what I mean? I'm not sure if you have children, if you have to pay for childcare or anything like that. Um, so just maybe asking, like, you know, what are ways that you can help me? Maybe helping out with conferences and things like that. Those kind of costs. I'm going to jump in here. Sorry, Ron. Sorry. If there's things that you strongly believe in, like, for instance, so a big thing for me is uh, the mortality and morbidity morbidity rate for people of color. Um, If that's something that you strongly believe in, like, that's, like, my number one thing as far as, like, who I am, my brand, and things like that. So if you have like a strong point um, in your brand or who you want to become as a midwife, then I will try to see like, do they even care about that? Because I've met people that honestly don't give a damn, like they don't care whatsoever. And so if that's the kind of person you're going to be working with, or you can tell that's the kind of person that preceptor is, then it won't be a good match in the long run because you're always going to feel like you're silenced or you can't even talk about what you want to talk about. I wanted to say, like, from the preceptor angle, um, well, you know, and I'm, I have, uh, for those who are watching, I've been licensed since uh, Valentine's Day 2019, and as we record this, it's late June of 2020. It's a volatile time with people. Um, and what things happen for me as a preceptor um, or as a student, so one time somebody paid for me to go into a conference that I was presenting at, so she paid the um the booth the fee for me to go but just like the conference fee like i paid for i stayed with a friend and stuff it was in atlanta and i was presenting too as a student which was weird they never had that before um but that person paid for my thing and then a couple times like um that was my first preceptor my second preceptor would pick up like lunch occasionally and stuff that was great because there were times like i didn't even have gas i didn't have anything you know it was really cutting it down to the wire and then um my third preceptor at one point <laughs> um told me that she would give me $800 if I went and sat overnight with somebody who was at a birth center um, and got them to like six centimeters or something with like kind of a problem client or client. You just need a lot of handholding, you know? And so, and then there was another student that she couldn't stand and she was like, just be with, just watch this other student. This other student was terrible. It's like that student that ruins it for everybody's student, you know? And um, the student that when the baby delivers, grabs a baby and tries to hold it up to their chest, even though the placenta hasn't delivered and, you know, like that person, you're like, what? what are you doing? You know, like that person. So, um, and so then the, the, then the person came in, the preceptor came in at like 6am. I was like, yeah, I didn't earn my $800. You know, she's, she's still like four or five or something. And then um, she gave me the check anyway. And then later, like I had to, you know, fall taxes on it. So I don't know. It's like a prepayment. I don't know. So um, I've never had that generosity much from preceptors, but I think mostly they didn't think of it, you know? Oh, this is not true. The first preceptor I had, they were on a huge Whole30 cake, so their husband was cooking all the time. So they said I could eat out of their kitchen, which I did frequently. I was like eating their Whole30 food and stuff. But then that meant interacting with that family. Okay, so there was a price. Um, but at some point, you don't care. You're just eating those, you know, hot dogs and green beans, and it's just, you know, great. Thank you. So I didn't have that a lot. So and then as a as a preceptor, as I come up to it, I don't think I'll have enough um, of a budget. Like if I have a student who's assisting me, then great, right? Especially if they're doing like observations or something like that. But if they have, um, if they're 
Jackie Grace told me one time, she goes, I'm never going to be in a situation where if a student doesn't show up, I'm in a hole, right? Because shit happens, right? Like, like if a student can't come because of whatever reasons going down, down, I need to be able to go down the process of finding another assistant. So I'm still like kind of working this out of my mind, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, but I for sure, I'm like, yeah, the placenta thing's legit. Like I want that to be like, everybody wants a baby. Even if you stand in the kitchen and prep it or whatever, I want to pay you a certain amount for doing that. Cause that's not just anything that anybody can do. That's a certain skill set. And then of course, if you encapsulate it, cause as a midwife, um, if I offer a package, I want encapsulation to be part of that package so that I know that it's done and it's done well and it's done exactly how I want it to be done. And that means, you know, somebody who's like been trained by me or, you know, we've rock talked about how we do it. So I think that's a legit thing. And I think almost every midwife should pick that up. Have your student, you know, encapsulate it and pay them. Um, and then for sure, like paying um, their way for like student or, you know, their student rates for different organizations and stuff. I think that's really important. Um, I think that shows leadership as the preceptor. And then it also helps shape the midwife, like as a, you know, it's, it's, you're helping, that student get exposed to all the different ways that they can learn and, and you know be part of their local organization so and i'm still learning like i'm figuring this out like i'm you know deshaun and mary are two of my first students i'm like oh should i should have done this so, so i just wanted to throw that out okay so second question um this one's just again one of those things that i came across that seemed really like subjective is um clean and neat in appearance i'm like so i mean we were talking facial tattoos last time if that's i show whistle, up dude. that's 100 <laughs> so that that was in the uh the recommendation that you sent over like the more i'm looking into this and the more i'm looking at like who the staff is and like yeah it just i was like i don't know that i'm ever gonna qualify like I'll be freshly showered, wearing nice clothes, you know, looking professional, and I still don't know that I would be clean and neat in appearance. <laughs> okay, Katie, let me ask you something. Is that your hair? Yeah. Okay, Katie, it doesn't it doesn't matter for your tattoo. You know why? Because because you're black and you have natural hair. The minute you wear your hair like that, you wear your hair in an afro, they're gonna think that you're professional you know what i used to do when i when i was a teenager to go get jobs i would have to slick my hair back or i have to straighten it whatever you know like a white person and then as soon as i get hired then i can wear my hair out and big or whatever so yeah. you kind of have to kind of have to play the game like that and sometimes that means you know look like a white woman when you apply without the tattoo or put makeup over it and then when you get accepted then here I am. You could you could play it that way, or you could just you know do what you want to do, and then hope that they accept you. You just kind of have to. We have to learn. We have to maneuver away. We have to maneuver around things like that. You know what I mean? Because somebody can honestly say, I, I don't look a professional when I have my hair wrapped, or when I have like an afro or something like that. So it's all. If you literally, you can Google unprofessional hairstyles, and it'll all be black women. And then I want you. I want you to do this when you got the phone. Google unprofessional hairstyles will all be black women, not your hair. Google professional hairstyles will all be white women. So, like I said, you just have to maneuver, maneuver, just think smart. You know, I hate the sit down and shut up mentality, but to get to where we're going, sometimes we have to just play our cards right. Right, and that's, yeah, that's what, and thinking about like with the preceptor thing too, that the one that I was talking about, 
that looks more what I'm looking for is in OKC. So that's a good, like, at least hour, hour and a half drive from here. So it's like, do I commit to that or do I, like, deal with what's available here, knowing that it's just a step to get where I'm going? Because I'm also... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm also not, like, Christian, so that being in, you know, deep Bible belt is a whole nother, like, if you're expecting me to, you know, fit in in that way, Mm -hmm. I can't. (laughs) Um, an hour and a half, okay, an hour, an hour is not bad, an hour and a half is kind of a stretch, it just depends on, um, how often you have, how often they hold clinic. And then what, what uh, what's the radius of the um, clients they serve? Because like my old preceptor, sometimes we would drive literally an hour. I would have to drive an hour to go to a birth. So because that's who they, that's all of the radius that they serve. So just find out what the radius is, especially if you don't want to, um, I said go for it. And one thing I want to throw out here too, am I speaking over you, Deshaun? Mm-mm, go ahead. Okay is that you can be like me. You can pick one preceptor that's close by to do like early stuff. And then when you want to swing wide a little bit more, you can go to the farther person. Okay. Right. And I do encourage you to have more than one preceptor if you do. Right. And I totally had to play the game for um, my first two preceptors. And then my third, I kind of played the game. Um, And the game that I'm talking about, because I'm clearly, you know, Whitey McWhiterton here is that, um, you know, I just like kept my weird buttoned up a little bit. Like they could always see the tattoos and stuff, but um, I just was a little bit more, like I remember the um, staff, like the practice manager pulled me in and she was like, so just what kind of theology are you? Do you go to church? And I was like, oh shit, it's fixing to happen. Like, you know, it's over now, right? <laughs> um, but I was just like, well, I just kind of believe in all spirituality, <clears throat> you know, like I'm just real open. And then now I'm like, whatever, dude, I'm a witch. I'm a kudandera. That's what it is. You know, like I'm not going to, whatever and then oh on friday i had a patient and so on the paperwork here at the birth center it says something about a sperm donor and i was like a known donor what does that mean you're like single and you're growing your family she goes no i'm married i have a wife and i was like oh that's chill i'm gay and she goes what hey y'all we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna get right back to it getting back to our real talk after birth style (laughs) i was like yeah dude i'm gay and she goes you're not gay. And I'm like, no, I'm gay. You know, and like, Rolling she was like, gay as hell. Like, What's wrong with your gaydar that you're not seeing this? You know? And then, um, and, and then she said, um, she said that something about her wife or whatever. I was like, well, what does your spouse do? And then she's like, oh, he, he works at a thing and she used the he pronoun. I was like, oh, is he transitioning or what's going on? And she goes, yeah. And I was like, that's cool. My last spouse was non-binary. Well, just transitioning was on TV and then went to non-binary. So my last few spouses have been, you know, male gendered but um female you know sex organs and they're and they were like like falling out of their chairs you know like what the fuck i'm like no it's legit it's cool i got you i got you and she was like you could just see that sense of coming home right Mm -hmm. so and she was from um uh like a like a south american country you know so she wasn't black but she was definitely like an other if you will and then even more othered by being queer and then even further othered by having a trans partner right so I was like, no, no, I got you. I got you. And so like, I felt like really happy for that, you know, um, that she could find a provider fit. Right. So. And that's, oh, sorry, that's one of the things um, here in Tulsa and kind of goes into my third question 
um, you kind of mentioned last time, like, if you don't have that entrepreneur spirit, just like, don't even, <laughs> you know, push yourself to that point because you can always find somebody that does to help you get a birth center up and running. And, you know, if I get to that point where that seems like a good idea, um, I guess just what would, what could a birth center look like in terms of having somebody who's not, um, a part of the birth community, opening it up, running it. Um, and then you mentioned like provide as many services as possible and, um, having those providers again, be like the, you know, the I'm home <laughs> feeling, um, that's, that seems to be hugely lacking here. So, um, I guess just if we could bounce some ideas back about what that could look like. Well, I can share what my vision is for my birth center. Yes. <laughs> First, I also want to say, Katie, that there's, um, I, I'm, Rowan probably already mentioned to you, the AABC. Um, right now, they're, they're, they're doing a scholarship. Like, you don't have to do it right now. You can do it next year if you want. Like, it's no rush. But um, last year, they had, they, they did it too. But the, um, the rules were just a little bit different. So I didn't really feel comfortable applying last year but um yeah right now they're doing a scholarship but it's it's for the online thing and it's not totally like it's not completely what you would pay for so right now they're they're doing like an online seminar but it's not going to be like how to open up a birth center um but anyway so my vision for my birth center is i'm going to have um i want it to be very homey like very home-like and i want to have multiple services so like one room i have vaginal steaming, another room, I will like hire a chiropractor, I mean, uh, have a chiropractor basically renting out a space and then having someone else renting out a space that's either a lactation consultant, IBCLC, something to that sort. Um, I even have an ambition to have like a vegan food truck in front of my, my business. So I, because I want it to be that much of a community thing because people come there for food and they look behind and okay, what's this, a birth center? Oh, what's a midwife? And then you reach out more and more and more to the community. So not only do I have my patients there, they can do a one-stop shop. You can come here um, postpartum or just, I mean, hell, just if you have a vagina and you want to get a steamed or whatever, you come here. And then you can also do stuff like if you have like a body worker, a massage therapist, that would be great for like prenatal, um, prenatal massages, postpartum massages, things like that. Um, just and that would be like another form uh, stream of income because yeah you have this huge space like you have this house or this five bedroom house or what have you and now you have people literally renting the rooms you're not paying them they're renting to have their own office and their own space and their clients they're going to have their own clients too like so there's going to be more people basically their own clients that they personally have can be funneled into you like if their clients get pregnant say a chiropractor they're their clients get pregnant then they will know okay yeah i mean my chiropractor works in this what do you call it, birthing center and i can just go here i want to add because this is sean's really put a lot of effort into this there's two things that i wanted to say is one is i have a classroom that you can rent out to community because you know even if it's on the cheap for like 10 bucks an hour which is great 
um, that's extra people getting more exposure to your your space and especially if there's you know great artwork like Afu is great that she has the the um, great art on her wall so everybody takes a picture of that with themselves so that location stamps and then goes out into the social webs you know that's good um, so having a classroom space and then the other thing Deshaun I want to challenge you to be even more of a point of community so what about a Saturday morning farmers market in your parking lot that would be that would be dope yeah that would be nice you could um yeah yeah that's a good idea think about a day when you're not open and then because if you wouldn't normally see patients on a Saturday then a Saturday morning farmer's market, that's a usual time for farmer's market, especially, you know, you had your vegan food truck, you have a couple of food trucks, you have, you know, some prepared foods, you have your produce, you have maybe somebody who from your booth is, you know, your bear center is sitting outside talking to people, they can come in and use your potty, have a designated potty, so everybody's going to traipse in and use your potty and see your space, you know, so um, I always thought that um, having a, you know, a food market, a farmer's market, and then you hire somebody to run that. Don't try and do that yourself. It's a lot. Right. But, um, but then also like that's um, nutrition teaching, right? Right there. Mm -hmm. So it's really showing up and creating a, a platform. So, and farmer's markets are what's up. And I spent a lot of time like running them and doing them and stuff. So I always thought a farmer's market, whatever business we have, like always factor in a farmer's market. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, I think I do. Yeah, that, so like, the whole reason that I'm hoping to dive into this is uh, that building of community and safe space. Um, so not only like a classroom, but also a meeting space for, you know, these moms postpartum um, would be really nice, but that's not part of the actual business model. <laughs> um, but no, the vegan food truck and farmer's market sounds amazing. The, the thing here is that we're looking at is how many solutions, how many problems can you fix with one solution? And the solution is the birth center, right? So the problems are a lack of community, a lack of cohesiveness, a lack of valuable or affordable space for people to rent and provide services from, um, having a, a viable, safe, clean, whatever, right? So how many different ways can you, you know, how many problems can you solve with one solution? You know, my other thing that I always love, and I think I've mentioned this before, Katie, maybe you haven't heard this, Deshaun, is I've always wanted a laundromat. So yes. if you like, like, I just like have the hots for a laundromat and I can't help it. And I know it's weird, but I do. I mean, because a laundromat, what do people do? You know, that's a community point too, especially for people who don't have the luxury of having a washer and dryer. Even if you had like one washer that was like designated for the dog bed that people, you know, the dogs grew up on or whatever, he had the dag nasty one. Somebody wants to stick that in their own thing. So like, I just think coupling with a laundromat, because you know what a laundromat is? It's a cash cow. Ching, 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 ching. So mm -hmm. just, I'm just throwing that out there. Laundromats are what's up. And having like a food truck or a coffee bar in front of a laundromat, all day long keep it open 24 hours so college students can study all night or your birthing people your birthing i know i'm telling you all day long laundromat but with my laundromat idea which i've had since at least i was 18 so like i've been thinking about this since 1988 um 89 that um how many problems are you solving with one solution and that's what the birth center does it's a community point space right and you're also selling space you're selling um ambiance if you will it's kind of like going and sitting at starbucks and doing your homework like, would you ever have a space where people can go and sit and hang out at the birth center? Or where do they, you know, like, where do they feel safe in the waiting room? Mm -hmm. And I know COVID is changing how things are a lot, but um, we can also look at that as an opportunity. Like, would you have in your um, birth center, like a sound studio where people could come in and record their education stuff? 
you know, mm -hmm. like, and they rent that by the hour and you have all the equipment set up, you have the background curated, like, here's your mic, here's this, here's that, you know, let me, and you know, you have stuff on the wall behind the monitor that tells them how to record a good video, you know, bring your little stick that, you know, your little um, thumb drive to put your stuff on or how we get you the information. Like there's just lots of, you know, we can, we can pivot, we can pivot. Chiming in to say I can confirm the laundry space after uh, living at an RV park for a hot minute a few years ago and the I mean the laundry room slash recreational room was like the spot where the stay-at-home moms could you know do laundry sit there and fold it together so it's not miserable now we're able to talk bounce ideas off of each other you know just yeah building community. Did you have any, did you have any more questions, Katie? Um, I guess the, I mean, the biggest question is, again, looking at all these school options, um, what would be required for each as far as online, being there in person, um, application, like basically prerequisites. Um, it's, it's a lot and it's hard to know exactly what to expect from them. Um, I guess what's been your experience in looking for them and why did you choose the program that you did? So originally I was gonna do PEP, but um, I have military backgrounds. I was in the army, so I have like my VA benefits or whatever. So like locally, we didn't have any schools that my military paid for because they only pay for basically make you credited. And so then, um, I was like, cool, whatever, I'll just pep it out. And then Rowan sent me this list of places that pretty much would accept my uh, veterans affairs stuff. And so I found this one school. And actually, I actually um, I seen this school, but I didn't know that they would um, that they would accept my that VA the VA would accept them. I seen them at the MANA conference. So when I was looking at the people that were like on the um, administrative team, team, they looked familiar. Um, I could I seen them in person, which is which is actually which is a really good thing. Um, so that's how I, go, I went about finding them. I'm just gonna go ahead and go somewhere. Okay, you accept my you accept my benefits. Boom, take it. Um, I don't want to. I'm not gonna look too much into like, okay, are you guys racist or not? Because to be honest, like, if we look over in all of America, midwifery as a whole is is overran by white people. So, you know, originally we had like, when we talk about post-slave trade, we talk about like granny midwives and things like that. That's who were the midwives here. And then, you know, we were pretty sh much shunned out, pushed out and told that we were dirty. And then OBs came and then we weren't allowed to go to the schools or we couldn't afford to go to the schools and things like that. So now we have the majority of white midwives. Um, so it's like, when you look in the middle school, that's mainly be unless you look up and you go to the middle school. Like there's one, there's one in South Florida. However, that one in South Florida is like a branch off of one that's in Gainesville, Florida, which is racist as hell. So it's like you're gonna constantly run into that. I mean, you can't, you can try to pick the less, the one with less evil, but just get in and do what you have to do. But that's how I found mine. Rowan sent me the list. 
and then I knew, okay, this place, this place is going to send my VA. And I liked that it was like just a two-year program. I could do everything online and then just have my preceptor here. I don't like the one, um, I think, I think there's one, I can't remember. Basically you can, you, I think it's called NCM, the one that you can buy the 50 year thing. Um, I like that they had that, but it was honestly a little bit confusing. And then you can talk to other people that are in different schools too, because I know like Shawnee goes to that school and apparently like, it's just really confusing. Like they have, I don't know, maybe a lot of things are in order as far as doing things online. So I'm pretty sure every school has their own, you know, glitches and things like that though. I'm not sure if PEP is available where you are in Oklahoma, mm -hmm. but do, do you know what PEP is? I do not. So PEP is like, um, it's like basically like you're, you're putting yourself through school pretty much. So it's like a self-study. So if you're able to self-study, like I can sit, I can literally sit down and read a textbook about memory free. Like I, I literally was sitting down reading word for word, like an A&P because that's the kind of person I am. Um, so if you can like self-study and like go out and get it, like go to different conferences, go to different trainings and stuff like that, find your own preceptor, have your preceptor, fill out your paperwork and seek out all your, um, all your education, then PEP, you could possibly, could possibly do PEP and you won't be paying for school. You just pay, you'd be just paying for, you know, like your books and everything else that's associated with being a student midwife and essential, um, essentially, um, but you have to see if it's available in your state because it's not available in every state. So you can go to the website, um, go to the DARM website, and you'll be able to go scroll down to where it says PEP. And then um, you'll be able to see if it's available in your state. So basically, after you get all your numbers, like there's like four steps. So the first step is getting like observations, which is like 10 observations. And the next step is you have to have so many births so many certain appointments, so many postpartum, uh, prenatal, all these different things. And your preceptors sign off on these things. So you keep all your paperwork. And then at the end, you turn on this paperwork and then you're able to take your, um, um, the, the, uh, the, um, the exam. So okay. that's, that's if you're able to like self-study and like, you know, if you're a go-getter, like if you can honestly do it yourself, but just see if it's, see if you can do it on your, um, See if you can do it in your state. And a further clarifying statement is like, so like if we in our mind break it down to an academic component and then a clinical component. And so PEP is like a portfolio evaluation process. So it's a clinical challenge is what it is. So you find preceptors that are approved by NARM, which is who offers a licensing exam. And you go through and you just hit all these like clinical milestones. And what I did, because I did the PEP process, is that um, every time I didn't understand something, I wrote it down and came home and learned about it. And then I would run it by my preceptor or not. You know, and sometimes what they said was not current with what current standards were too, right? So I had to like play that game. So, um, and you can do that if you can track stuff well and self-study like Deshaun was saying, which I'm great at. I, for whatever reason, it's a strong suit. So, um, but it is better, I think, to do an academic component where you have a preceptor and then there's like knowledge chunks and stuff like that. And like, and then there's this whole clinical um, checkoffs um, area, like, um, excuse me, skill sign-offs, which is super arbitrary, unless you go to a school that like very, um, very systematically goes through and, and make sure that you learn those. Kind of, for me, it felt like nursing school almost, wanting to do those clinical sign-offs and the um, skill sign-offs. So, 
but that's the lots of the PEP process. But the, with the PEP process, you're not MEEK accredited, which means MEEK is like the standardizing um, accrediting organization for ac academic. So MEEK is, sorry, there's a lot of acronyms. So MEEK is that. So if you go through PEP, now you're not MEEK accredited, but you can do this challenge thing to, to get your, your education up to MEEK credits. So that was one of the things with Deshaun is that I wanted her, if she was going to use her VA, then the VA only wanted to put money into MEEK accredited schools, and I agree with that. Like if you're going to go to a school and make it MEEK accredited, and if it's not MEEK accredited, just have it and figure it out yourself. And then if you do end up doing, like say you just start off with PEP or you just end up doing PEP, you just need, you need to make sure with your preceptor um, that they accept that they'll work with a PEP student because some won't. And then also like some, uh, it's not just PEP though, it's like some, some, uh, some preceptors might not want to work with certain schools because if they feel like the schools don't organize or it's just too much to be an approved preceptor, you know, just talk about those things with your preceptor too when you're looking, when you're looking for one. Okay. Being a preceptor is a lot of fucking work, um, which I'm learning. Um, and it's like kind of, it's like kind of being a parent. Like sometimes it's, you know, it's real unglorious work. And, um, and it's, and like being a parent, you're always wondering if you're doing it right. I gotta say, especially because I'm new at it. I'm a new parent. Um, so some schools like require a lot from preceptors that seems real arbitrary. And you're like, um, I'm not even sure why I'm doing this. And I'm already like under the gun with like nine other things. And midwifery is a business is a lot moving parts. So. Um, that is a thing that the preceptors have to feel confident with the school that they're working with. And with Deshaun, um, I'm going to be one of her preceptors. I'm very excited. But I don't have the preceptor criteria yet. So, like, we're kind of loosely working on this while I catch up on some of the things I have to do to be a good preceptor and be within the scope of both NARM and what her school wants. And I'll get there, but, um, you know, I'm working towards it. And certain schools help with preceptor agreements, too. So, like, they'll have, like, a form or whatever. So it's with when you have the PEP or the, you know, the kind of ambiguous school, that's the time that you want to develop your own preceptor agreement. Well, thank you for that info. Yeah, I'd read, um, I guess it was on the NARM page about, I, I knew the words, but not the acronym. Um, sorry, there was a question I had in there about the, uh, the Meek situation. It's gone. <laughs> Um, maybe I'm trying to guess what you were Were you thinking like, does it matter if the school is me accredited or? No, I'll have to, I'll have to remember. I'm sure it'll come to me when I'm reading through things again. Okay. I guess that one question is if you don't feel that you have a strong preceptor option in your area, would it then make more sense to attend a school? Are they all going to require? Um, either way, either way, you have to be with the preceptor, right, Rowan? Because you're gonna have to get the clinical work. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. You're gonna have to. And and then some schools, like some schools, will um will match you. Like they'll basically try to match you with a preceptor that which is that's in so many miles away from where you live. Um, so if you already have one in mind, maybe you could possibly try to pick them, pick them before the school picks one for you, because they'll they'll just throw you wherever. 
But either way, you're going to have to be with preceptor because you need the clinical skill set and have to work with the births and stuff like that. And the other thing is there are options where you can go and I'm just going to say it and we can talk about whether that's a fit or not. But they have like ones where you can go to where you um, like go and work in underserved communities in other countries. And the problem with that is, especially if you look like me, um, is that you look like you're doing white savior and like learning on the backs of, you know, it, you know, okay. So you're exploiting an underserved market and coming in and, you know, let me learn on all these, you know, black bodies or brown bodies or whatever. Um, but the offset is that you're showing up and you're able to help and learn a lot. And so you've got to decide sometimes that's a good way to like burn through, get a lot of your experience. And it's very intense and it's um, very hard on the practitioner or the person who's learning. Um, and I'd, and I, would hope that it's not a situation where we're keeping people small so that we can learn off of them. Um, and I don't know, you know, obviously I have a lot of complex feelings about it. So I just wanted to throw that out. That is a way to get a lot of clinical experience very quickly. And then also it's not bad training for like, if there's an earthquake in Haiti or something, or um, like Michael Franti was like putting money up for like any midwife pie that um, would go to Haiti, that that's a way to go and, you know, like he would go and he would sponsor you to go to do that. So um, and then also um, Robin Lee, whom I adore, she's like, next time something happens in uh, the Philippines where she's is, I want you to come. And I was like, okay, you know. So for me, part of that's like, you know, training for future events. But that is something that happens. You'll see that like with Mercy in Action, that's a school that does that type of training. Okay. Yeah, I think with, uh, with, with Mercy in Action, that would be a good, it, would be, it could possibly be, good, be a good fit for you, Katie, because, I mean, your appearance is black, so... Like there is some issues that I have with certain people doing those things because, for instance, you go on their home or you go on their social media and then you'll see, oh, look at this person, this white person posing with these black people, yet they don't care about the black people in their community. Um, but I think that would be good, a good fit for you, possibly, especially if you say you don't have kids, right? I have two kiddos, but... Um, oh, I thought, I thought I asked you earlier if you had kids. I thought you said no. I, I think I just didn't respond. I have two. I have an 11-year-old and a 6-year-old. Um, so luckily, they're school age. Um, so if it's during the school year, I have a little more um, <coughs> leeway as far as not being here. And we have an au pair set up for childcare, which is why I'm trying to get this going as soon as possible. So oh, that I, man. Yeah, he's you know, not able to... Oh, Go ahead. I've been looking, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I've been looking into that. Rowan, I was actually going to talk to you about that too. Maybe me and you, Katie, can we can talk about that at another time, the au pair, because I'm looking into it. I'm just like, I have to go do I something. Y'all, I have to go do something real quick. So keep talking okay. amongst yourselves, okay? But like, okay. whatever you want to talk about, and just um, snap really loud if you want me to cut it out, okay? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, Katie, so I'm not sure, like, what y'all's income is, but I was looking into old pair because, like, I don't know how, I have two kids, and I really just don't know how I'm going to be able to just really continue without, like, all this on-call child care and things like that. Um, but then I was looking into, like, I was looking into the actual website, I think it's called, like, old pair or whatever like that, and it's, like, $10,000 initially, and then you have to pay, you know, 150 or however much a week whatever like I can do the weekly amount but I can't put up thousands of dollars and so I was even um considering this morning I was like you know 
should I like look on, I don't want to say Craigslist, but <laughs> should I look on like, I don't know, care.com for like, just search in-home nanny. Um, I don't know, like help me out. Like, and what is your relationship, what is your relationship with your au pair? Like, I really, I have a, I have an extra room in my house, you know, mm-hmm. I just, it must have to be something I'd be comfortable with, but I feel like I'm going to need one for the next year or two. Yeah. So, I mean, the whole reason why we um, decided to go the au pair route um, to begin with was I was a doula at the time. Of course, hours are all over the place. I was birth and postpartum doula. So I'm like, there are for sure some nights where I'm going to be gone where like I'm having to work out with my husband. You know, what time do you need to leave for work? Because I'm not going to be back till this time. Sometimes we'd have to meet, you know, somewhere on I-10 to exchange the kids. And I'm like, this just, you know, isn't sustainable. Um, so yeah, we, I think my, um, the agency owner at the time recommended, um, going the au pair route and it was the absolute best because then it's like, you know, having just another adult in the house, it's like, it's having an extra pair of hands. It's not strictly limited to the kids. Like she would, part of the culture exchange is, you know, I'm cooking this meal that's, you know, a traditional meal of my country and like, Luckily, our au pair was amazing. She would notice whenever, like, something just needed some additional attention. Like, hey, I'm just going to, you know, general quick after, um, which isn't technically on their list of responsibilities unless it's, like, a mess that's made when they're taking care of the kids. But um, she literally was another family member. And because she knew our routine for every part of the day and she was already there, there was a lot more flexibility and, like, hey, I'm going to have to, like, start early today or I need to leave right now. Carrie will be home in five minutes. Um, as far as the financial aspect, uh, we use cultural care, au pair, um, and they have... I'm sorry? How much did you have to pay for that? So I want to say their agency fee is, like, right under $9,000. Um, and they have a payment plan. It's still like over 2000 up front, but then they have a payment plan where like every two or months or so you just, you know, put another chunk down. Um, if that makes it any easier, it's still over like a six month period, but you don't have to have 10 grand in the bank if you know you can um, come up with that money. And then there's is the stipend is 200 a week. But for us, like two kids in daycare in the area that we lived in would have cost the same, if not more. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was, it was kind of where we were at. And yeah, I mean, luckily I had enough work-wise going on that it more than covered that. Um, But obviously when you're a student, (laughs) there's not as much flowing in, but there's still just as much time away. Right, 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 right. And so, yeah, and then, and so the, the, the fee, the fee you have to pay yearly, like, could you keep that person for like two or three years or you have so, to pay every year or does it roll over? There, there is an option. Um, if both you and the au pair want to extend a year um, for them to stay with you for two years instead of one, um, the one thing I'm not sure about, um, is 
whether that fee has to be paid again. Um, I wouldn't think so since they're already here. They already have their visa. There's not much the agency is having to facilitate, but I can ask our LCC and uh, get back to you on that. Right. Okay. Yeah, that definitely. I mean, if you can save nine grand. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how I would be able to come up with it. Maybe if I did like some type of fundraiser, but even for that much, I don't know. But yeah, I have to, I have to look into that very, very, very soon because that's going to be something I, I, I really, I just, I really have to do that. And as a doula, like, um, I'm getting like all, all of a sudden I'm getting like more clients like people are yeah it's really weird it's awesome um but yeah it's great like someone literally just hired me today <laughs> like I have three people do in November and I never would have thought um yeah because at first it was kind of like hard to get people you know I was working with like one person for me to have one client was like oh fine now the client whatever but right now it's like I have like probably five or six clients and it's kind of like wow okay that's cool so but yeah, yeah i really have to, i'm really happy i'm really gonna have to get someone like mm. yeah and that so was... I'll, I'll look into that i'll look into that one but i'll also try to i'm gonna just see if i could man that nine grand and i'm not saying like you know they don't deserve it but it's just that's not something i could i don't have nine grand <laughs> yeah and that's where whenever initially we were like talking to people but when we were still trying to weigh whether we wanted to do this or not um they're like why don't you just fly somebody here and well and i was like first of all that's a level of organizing and mm -hmm. just i mean and what if it doesn't work out like the agency will you know come in and help if there are issues between you and the au pair and if they can't be resolved they'll rematch you with a different au pair obviously right. if you go your own route with finding a live-in nanny that's not you know facilitated for you so um yeah other again the financial aspect because it's like upfront rather than like daycare where it's a monthly thing is mm -hmm. daunting whenever you know you don't have an income or it's less than it would be because you're paying for and doing school right 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 okay thanks katie Problem? What's up, Rowan? Hey, sorry. I'm back now. Guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> Katie was just kind of like helping me with the old pair situation. Like, I'm, I'm going to try to like find a living nanny or something just to help out. Like, because I'm tired of like people that I'm hiring quitting because they can't keep up with oh, by the way, I had to go to birth, like, when I told you beforehand, like, hey, people are going to labor, like, all, all hours of the night, and I need you to get up and come over here. I can't keep doing that. I just need to have one set person, you know, so. Yeah. And that's, so currently we're dealing with an issue where um, our second au pair, um, his arrival has been pushed back to 2021 because um the executive order that was just passed so now i'm like oh dang i'm almost glad that i haven't found a school option because now i'm like not covered for the next six months um mm -hmm. but yeah my mom suggested like why don't you just find somebody reliable there I'm like it's not as easy <laughs> as one would think right. you know? 
insanely right. expensive when you're looking at it hourly rather than a year commitment. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. Right on. Right on. I do know somebody who um, was from Brazil and came here as an au pair, but I heard about this, this is like third hand, okay? that uh, she got here she's like 42 and then realized that she was pregnant and they're just going to send her back to brazil and my friend was like no like how can you do that like sending somebody who's pregnant back to brazil who has no resources to, into abject poverty to a certain c-section like no i think you just realize you're growing your family and you're going to have a, a no pair with a baby now <laughs> and this is how we're going to do this you know like we have to restructure how we have our families different you know um so I was pretty appalled by hearing that, as was my friend, who, and it was her coworker that the coworker's like, no, we're just gonna send her back to Brazil, whatever. I'm like, what? I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> you know, like, what? And also remember, I grew up in El Paso, so we always had housekeepers, like the, ho the um, houses are made to have, like they have extra um, housekeeper's quarters. Like, you know, they have a room and a, their own bathroom and stuff like that, that's just how houses work. And at one point we had a housekeeper, was I telling you this the other day, Katie? We had a housekeeper that um, my dad said that she kept saying that she wasn't, um, you know, that she was just fat, she wasn't pregnant. <laughs> my dad would be like, uh, I think that uh, you might be pregnant. And then uh, she was gone for six weeks and then uh, we didn't have a housekeeper for six weeks. And then all of a sudden we had a housekeeper with a baby. And that's how it was. And uh, okay, and his name was Gordo. <laughs> Gordo was the baby's name, which I never really, I never heard what the baby's real name was, but Gordo. Yeah. And uh, so baby Gordo, and uh, I think we had like until Gordo like started being two or something. He he was like we were all a family, and that's how it was. It was like, okay. and I would like watch the baby while we we're doing stuff, you know. Like she goes, "Can the baby just be here next to you while I'm cleaning the bathroom, or whatever?" I was like, "Sure, man." I think it was like eight, you know. It just seemed like really normal that you know, we're just here <laughs> together, whatever. So. No, no, maybe that skewed my, how I think about things, I don't know. So, okay, do we answer all your questions, Katie? Yeah, I'm sure I'll have 20 more after I do some more looking in, but I'll just hit y'all up if I do. Okay, and I just want to affirm to you that you can go ahead and go through school and, and not be a midwife and be a therapist of some sort and, you know, be a part owner in a birth center because you don't have to own the whole thing yourself. And remember, the birth center is one. Um, the one of the best things I learned of the AABC um, how to start a birth center which is gold that workshop is just gold um, is that the birth center if you set that up as a nonprofit, that's a really good idea and then that needs to have a different name than the provider set so like if I was to start a birth center like right now preggers can be choosers works out of northeastern birth center okay and so if I was to open up another birth center it'd probably be like birth center of alpine or something um location stamp it and then, uh, and preggers that can be choosers would be the providers. So that's a separate entity. So you can start a birth center that's a not-for-profit and then hire the providers that come in, right? And then you can have an in-house provider and that's called uh, a closed model. And you can have an open um, provider model where like different midwives can have privileges there at your birth center. And I'll tell you what, there's always a midwife looking for privileges. In fact, today at 1230, I'm talking to Heart of Houston about having privileges at their birth center because they're gonna have an open model. Okay. So there are definitely, you know, midwives who are looking who, to have privileges at a birth center that don't want to run a birth center. You can also rent space in your birth center to a home birth midwife, right? They just, you know, that could be like just where they see people, that's their office and stuff, and then they do home birth, and that's fun. Because at first I was like, why don't you do that? And now I'm like, oh, open yourself a little more, grow yourself. So there's lots of ways to make money. So if you decide, you know, screw it, I'm just going to, this is how I'm going to put my mark is I'm going to, you know, get my entrepreneurial hat on and I'm gonna open up a birth center, I'm gonna take this workshop and I'm gonna learn how this works, great. 
the only caveat is make sure that you can own a birth center in Oklahoma without being a midwife. Because some, like in Indiana, you have to be a nurse midwife to own a birth center. Okay. So I just want to clear that up. Okay. All right. Well, I really appreciate the rock talk with you lovely ladies. We're doing the work here, people. We're doing the work. I also want to ask that if you ever see me not stepping up enough, I need you to like say so immediately. Okay. 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 All right. I love you, ladies. Love you. We'll check in later. All right. Bye. Bye. Yay!